0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on. 5th Avenue Face-Off. And welcome back into another episode of 5th Avenue Face-Off. Hi there. I'm your friendly hockey host, Chris Mack, from The Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. If you're watching this on YouTube, you saw me just wave hello, right? Yeah, well, hey, click on subscribe. You'll get all of the latest video content from 93.7 The Fan. And, of course, that includes the latest episodes of 5th Avenue Face-Off. As soon as they are available, a couple times a week, and we are down to the last couple weeks of the regular season. Hopefully, just the last couple weeks of the regular season, and we'll get to continue to use that word as a caveat. Hopefully, not the last couple weeks of the season in totality. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. Of course, you know, subscribe to the podcast however you get it, Uh, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play, whether it's iTunes. My recommendation would be. On your Odyssey app, A U D A C Y. Download it if you haven't yet. And then just click uh follow up there in the upper right hand corner. And the newest episodes will show up right there in your Odyssey app as soon as they are ready, right next to all of your other favorite podcasts uh from BetQL. I've heard there's a wonderful weekly show called BetQLU, where some gentleman named Chris Mack, alongside a couple of other folks, RJ Choppy and Kayla Kenaram, talks about college sports. I've heard he's stunningly handsome. Uh, I've just heard that, just heard it. Subscribe to the show and find out for yourself. Could be uh, more entertainment-wise, could be sports, could be whatever you want to listen to, all your podcasts there inside your Odyssey app. And of course, wherever you get it, leave ratings, leave reviews. We appreciate it as always, the positive feedback. Consistently inconsistent. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see those words underneath my face because that's what your Pittsburgh Penguins are. And as we've talked about throughout the year, and we'll get to Eric Tangrady in a couple of minutes if he can make it. He's got a multitude of different things going on on his home front. So if we can check in with him, we'll check in with him. If we can't, don't worry. We've still got plenty to talk about from this weekend. But chief amongst what we got out of this weekend, consistently inconsistent. You, you've heard that phrase before. And as far as the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins go, it can't be disputed. It can't. Here they sit, 86 points in the standings. Just one point ahead of the Florida Panthers for the final playoff spot. Just one point behind the New York Islanders, with a game in hand, for the first wild card, which would get them out of a first-round trip to Boston to face the Bruins. Before we get into those final four or five games and a possible trip to Boston, or wherever it may be for the first round, because I've got some math cooked up to explain to you why this thing, I think... It's going to go right down to the wire, but that's coming up in a couple of minutes. Let's look back at the track record of what we've gotten from this team. You know, the last seven games now have literally gone win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. And you can go back to the beginning of the season to find the streakiness of this team. First five games, not a regulation loss amongst them. They were 4 0 1. The next seven games, Not a victory amongst them. So 4-0-1, right? Then they go (laughs) 0-6-1. And the next nine games, seven wins. 7-2-2. The next nine games after that, another positive chunk. I mean, you could add these up and say there were 15-3-2. Fine. Go that for 15 wins out of 20 if you want, including a seven-game winning streak. And then some tumbles started to get thrown into the mix. An 0-4-2 stretch. They bounced back, winning eight out of 15 at one point and getting points in 11 of those games, but then they had another four-game losing streak. And then they won seven out of nine points in eight of those games, seven, one, and one, including a four-game winning streak. And then they lost four in a row, including losses at home to both Montreal and Ottawa. See the streakiness that we're building up here? Here's the problem. As we get closer and closer to the end of the season, the streaks have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. You heard me mention earlier. there was that 15, three and two run where they won 15 out of 20 games at one point. I want to say it was oh, it was right around late late November, the bulk of December. 15, three, and two. They got points in 17 out of 20 games, including a seven game winning streak. And then they lost six in a row. It's as streaky as you can get but those streaks have gotten more and more condensed, right? The back and forth nature of this team. And I've mentioned it before, you know, uh, you don't know what you're going to get on any given night anymore. Let alone, uh, You could say any given period, right? We're now down to just about any given shift. You could see it this weekend. You could see it. You could see it Saturday against Boston in a game where, okay, let's be honest. The Bruins, um, No Patrice Bergeron. Linus Olmark, not in goal. Uh, They went with Jeremy Swayman. But you could see that the Pens were hanging in there with them, right? Hanging in there with them. Doing their best to hang in there with the best team in the league. But every once in a while, you'd still glance up and you'd see maybe a, a Gino Malkin shift without quite the gusto that you'd want him to have. And then you see Gino with his hair on fire Sunday against the Flyers. I mean... It's personified even in their stars now in some cases. Sidney Crosby, two goals in the last 12 games. Now, we can and we will talk later about whether we think that's just him sort of throttling down before the stretch run. You know, heating up before the playoffs. uh, Or is that a 35-year-old perhaps? hitting the wall in in just the second season where he's played every single regular season game to this point. Um, But what you get is a shortened amount of time between the consistent inconsistencies. Now it's not a month worth of quality play. It's, not even two weeks worth of quality play. It's not even a a couple of games. It's not even a single game. It's not even a single period. We are now down to the point where literally, and I think I saw Dan Kinkurski write this for Pittsburgh Hockey Now over the weekend. You may may have just tweeted it. You may have written it in an article. It is literally shift to shift. This team is shift to shift. You don't know what you're going to get. A win at Colorado. Oh my God, seriously? These guys may be legit. A loss at Dallas. Okay, Dallas is decent. A win against Washington, uh, during which they had a shutout in, in their back pocket, and then Casey DeSmith flops all over the place in the third period. A loss at Detroit, where once again, Casey DeSmith plays well for two periods, and then gives up a pair of softies to David Perron in the third period. A win against Nashville, where I'll be honest, it was downright boring hockey for a while. That's what they need to play though. If they're going to win in the playoffs. It's funny. I think I told this story in one of last week's episodes, Friday's episode, when we had Ray Ferraro on, but I'll tell it again, real briefly. We went as a family of four to the game and some good friends of ours. They came as well with their daughters who are a little bit older than our kids. They're teenagers. Um, And they both turned and looked at me at one point and said, Chris this is well into the second period. Chris, is this supposed to be 0-0 still? And I said, in the case of the way they're playing tonight, yes, and to be honest, this is the way they're supposed to play if they're going to win in the playoffs. Uh, That Nashville game, good old-fashioned, boring, responsible, playoff-style hockey. And then they they, they played well at times against Boston, but still not good enough. There's just too wide a golf in talent. And... That golf and talent was shown in the opposite direction in the win over Philly. They hold off the Flyers' late charge. Casey DeSmith makes some big saves again. And that's the uh, another part that we can maybe get into greater detail in in a couple minutes is, now what? Between the pipes. But from a five-game point streak to start the season to a seven-game losing streak to Winning 15 out of 20, to losing six in a row, to points in 11 out of 15, to losing four in a row, points at eight out of nine, and then losing four in a row, and then quite literally, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. That's what they are. And I got bad news. We'll get into this in a couple of minutes when we try to do some math about just when and how this thing may get decided. There's a hint. It's probably coming down to the last day. But there's probably an L coming up Tuesday night in Newark. Back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. going to need a neck brace by the end of the season, the way things are going. Consistently inconsistent is the story of the 2022-2023 Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we'll ask Eric Tangrady what he thinks about it. Uh, we'll try to get him on the horn here in just a second. Again, a lot going on in everybody's world these days. Kids with work, a million different things. Uh, we'll get into those two games from over the weekend the loss to Boston and what I didn't think was necessarily a poorly played game by the Penguins and the win over the Flyers, which started to become poorly played down the stretch. And then before we wrap things up today, we do a little math to try and get an idea of when this whole thing will be wrapped up again. I don't think it's going to be by the end of the week. Sorry. Uh, unless things go nuts. I don't think that's the case, but that's all on the way. Chris Mack with you here on fifth Avenue Faceoff.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It is Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of The Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan with you. Eric Tangrady. He's got some loose ends at home and it worked. Button up today. We will get him back in the fold on Wednesday. If you missed any past episodes, man, if we had some good ones. We had Ray Ferraro on Friday. He helped us look ahead to Penn's Bruins, which we'll look back on in just a moment. Great stuff with Andrew Destin last week the Post-Gazette. Young guy who's just started covering the Penguins. This year, we had Sean McDonough the week before that. Sean Gentilly of The Athletic. Some great views behind the scenes in both Denver and Dallas uh, from people at uh, The Fan in Denver, as well as with the Dallas Stars. Just great stuff all around. Jackie Redman of NHL Network a few weeks ago. Bob Pompiani of KDKA-TV talking about where the Penguins land uh, TV network-wise because that's still something that feels like it's falling off the radar with everybody worried about the team getting into the playoffs. Rightfully so. So always feel free to go back and listen to back episodes because it's not just necessarily about that game the night before that episode was recorded or the games coming up after that episode. We have had uh, the same storylines, the same threads, the same themes weaving their way in and out of this Penguin season throughout. And we've been doing providing fresh episodes uh, for the last Two months plus, so we appreciate you going back and listening to the archived ones as well. Takeaways from this weekend, and two points against the Flyers on Sunday night. None against the Bruins, even though it felt like they were right there, right, on Saturday. Um, Okay, a Bruins team without Patrice Bergeron and Linus Olmark. I kept pointing that out to people on Saturday. They didn't seem appreciative of the fact that I was pointing it out, but it's an important thing to note that the Penguins were playing a Boston Bruins team without their number one goaltender playing. Jeremy Swayman played pretty well, I thought. Uh, and without their captain, Patrice Bergeron, not in the lineup either. And they still went 0-6 on the power play. The Penguins did, which is not going to get it done. You take that game otherwise, and I'll be quite honest, despite the pasta hat trick. And let's take a moment and just pause and give some flowers to David Pasternak, uh, because He is, outside of Connor McDavid, the most electric goal scorer in the league right now. He just is. Uh, And that being said, let's acknowledge that. Uh, I don't like the fact that he plays for the Bruins, and the Penguins are very likely to face the Bruins in the first round of the playoffs if they get in. But unfortunately, it is what it is. Now, here's where the Penguins can find, I think, just a little bit of success in that first round playoff series if they do, in fact, draw the Bruins. Find yourself on special teams. Find yourself even just on the power play. I mean, special teams as a whole, right? Because you're not going to get away if you're the Penguins with giving up multiple uh, power play opportunities in the first period. You saw. Didn't work out against the Bruins. Much the same way it did work out against the Predators a couple nights earlier. Predators, you know, down here. Offensive talent. Ray Ferraro outlined that for us on Friday. If you want to go back and listen to that episode. Bruins up here as far as offensive talent goes, especially on the power play. So the Pens got away on Thursday night with giving up some early power play opportunities to the Nashville Predators. Between Nashville's lack of offensive ability and Tristan Jari playing a solid game, they got away with it. Didn't get away with it on Saturday against the Bruins and went 0 for 6 on the power play themselves. Can't happen. You score just one power play goal. How about on that five on three where everything stayed to the perimeter and the exterior of the zone? Score just one goal. Throw one more puck into the middle. I saw one puck during that five-on-three even go into the bumper position where Jake Gensel was set up. That was a pass from Sidney Crosby. Everything else to the perimeter, to the outside. I look like Madonna. If if you listen to the show uh, on your favorite app, whatever it is, hopefully it's your Odyssey app, You have no idea how much the visual helps because I keep talking about the play sticking to the perimeter. uh, And if you're watching on YouTube, you saw me going like this with my hands and I just realized I look like Madonna in the Vogue video. Dated reference for anybody under the age of 30. Anyway, everything to the perimeter. That's not going to work. First of all, you've got to do better than 0 for 6 on the power play. And the one redeeming quality here is that if they did go better than 0 for 6 on the power play, I think they win that game against Boston, to be quite honest, and that may be enough just a just one power play goal a night against Boston in the playoffs. Now look, that may be asking much because you may not be able to draw more than three penalties in a playoff game against the Bruins. But in that case, give me uh what? one and a half out of six, right? That's still not a great complete or a, a conversion percentage. One and a half out of six. What a a power play goal every yeah. What's that, 16% of the time? It's probably not good enough. You're gonna have to do better than that. Again, we're gonna get into hashtag math in just a little bit. So let me let me brush up on my math skills now. You're gonna have to go at least one for five on the power play against the Bruins and draw some penalties. Um and in that case, once you draw them, you've got to convert. At least one out of five. That'll get you, I would hope, at least one and a half play, uh, power play goals per game. I think they've got a chance to win if they can score on the power play against Boston, is my point. Oh for 6, and still the game coming down to a, to a posternak hat trick tells you that they do have a chance. Even if it was the Bruins with Swayman in net and without Patrice Bergeron. So that's my takeaway from the Boston game. From the Philly game, it's quite simply... Stop letting off the gas. Stop. Start putting together 60-minute efforts. And for the most part, I thought it was a 60-minute effort against Boston, against Nashville. It definitely was. Start playing every game. Am I bouncing the desk enough here? Start playing every single game the way you played against Nashville on Thursday. And don't worry about whether it's pretty. Don't worry about whether it's ugly. Again, I understand. Again, as Ray Ferraro detailed on Friday's episode, even against Nashville or, or teams other than Nashville, you might not be able to get away with the way you played against them, particularly in the first period. But that's that's as good a game as the Penguins can play going into the playoffs. I called it this earlier, good old fashioned, boring playoff style hockey. Do that against Boston, you got a chance. Just get a bounce, get a ricochet. Get what you got from Ricard Raquel on the first goal against the Flyers on Sunday night. Some kind of weird bounce off the glass. Get that, and guess what? The Penguins steal a game against Boston, steal one up there. Oh boy, all of a sudden we've shifted home ice back for whatever that's worth in the Stanley Cup playoffs these days. But if they can steal one of those first two games, come home, steal one of the two at home. Oh my God, all of a sudden it's a best of three and you've shortened the odds. And all that needs to happen to do that is to just hold serve on your special teams opportunities. One out of five on the power play and kill better than one out of five on the penalty kill. That's all we're asking for. Go one out of four on the power play. I'll start to feel pretty good about your odds. But you can't go over six. That's not going to work. As for between the pipes, I don't know who the goaltender is going to be come game one whether it's against Boston or Carolina or maybe even Jersey, depending on how things go this final week and a half. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. But right now, going into Newark on Tuesday night, I would start Casey DeSmith. I thought he played really well for the bulk of the game against the Flyers. Uh, Tristan Jari, I I don't think he played a bad game against Boston. I think he played a really good game against Nashville. Came up with a few clutch saves when they asked him to. Uh, But I would give DeSmith an opportunity to stay hot against the Devils in Newark on Tuesday and see where it goes from there. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe he gives up four goals on 22 shots or, you know, has a dud, which DeSmith is good for every once in a while, although so is Jari, right? Maybe he doesn't come up with any big saves, as he did Sunday against the Flyers. Uh, And maybe you're right back to Tristan Jari on Thursday against the Wild. But hell, why not find out if Casey DeSmith can get hot and carry it into the playoffs? And look, you've got Jari there to break the glass in case of emergency maybe DeSmith, like I said, ends up giving up a pair of softies in game one to whoever you're playing. And you know immediately, okay, bang, he's out. But how would that be any different from some of the playoff experiences we've had with Tristan Jari in the past? The problem here is that you don't have a tenderoni. You just don't. You you don't have, if you have two, you don't have none. That's poor grammar. I understand that much. What I don't understand is who the hell and how the hell they're going to figure out who the number one goaltender is on this team between now and April 17th. In fact, I can tell you they're not going to figure it out. Unless, unless Casey DeSmith starts lighting things on fire, stopping everything, going unconscious in net, I don't think we're going to have a guaranteed A number one goaltender going into game one of the playoffs. Because I don't think Tristan Jari can get that hot. I'll just be honest. I don't think he can. I don't think he's capable against quality competition. I know he did it Thursday against Nashville, and it kind of made me feel good for 24 hours or so. I got a warm, fuzzy feeling. But I don't think he can make those big saves night after night against quality opponents. Can Casey DeSmith? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you know what? It's happened here and there. With Casey DeSmith, it's more about just putting together a 60-minute effort and not crapping the bed like he did against Detroit, or like he almost did against Washington. They're both flawed. They're both terribly, terribly flawed goaltenders. And in a perfect world, you'd let them both walk this offseason, and you'd find a new pair of guys. But this isn't a perfect world. The free agent class sucks. The only guy you might be able to trade for without having to mortgage multiple future pieces would be Carter Hart. The Flyers aren't going to do business with you. Maybe you want to go after John Gibson, but how excited is John Gibson to come home to Pittsburgh? Mm. Um, and if he is, even if he is excited to come home to Pittsburgh, think of how much you'd have to give up to get him. Not just in moving cap space, but also in resources like assets, like young guys. I don't know. I I have a great fear that Tristan Jari and or Casey DeSmith will be back in the fall. Despite the fact that we will have no better idea about either one of them three weeks from now when the season presumably will be over. So yeah, we won't know then. And I fear, I I don't fear. I know we won't know. But before game one of the playoffs, we just won't. Um, I, I mentioned at one point today, That Sidney Crosby has now gone 12 games with just two goals. Just two goals in the last 12 games for Sidney Crosby. And I'm trying to convince myself that this is not a good thing, but that it is just the calm before some kind of stretch run, breakout playoff storm we get from Sidney Crosby. When he says, okay, time to turn it up to 11 here. Throws the team on his shoulders, drags him kicking and screaming into the playoffs, maybe even to the first wild card spot, maybe some kind of crazy seven game series against Carolina. Who knows? Sidney Crosby's capable of anything. I'm trying to convince myself it's more of that rather than a 35 year old guy seeing a 77 game regular season, soon to be 82 game regular season catch up to him. If Sidney Crosby, plays in each of these final five regular season games. And I can't see any reason he wouldn't, knock on wood. This will be just the second time in his storied career that Sidney Crosby will have played every regular season Pittsburgh Penguins game. Just the second time. Second time. Only once has he played 82 games in a regular season. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, look, it's a good, it's good in that without him, where the hell would they be, right? Where would they be without Sidney Crosby this year? Crosby, Malk, and Letang have had wonderful years for guys their age, especially. They've been supported by some people. Jason Zucker, Ricard Raquel, Gensel, I think, is still doing good things for the most part. Brian Russ seems to be coming back to life. But where the hell would they be without Sidney Crosby? So, look, it's not like you were going to—there's no load management here. This isn't Greg Popovich in the Spurs of five, six, seven years ago. And Tony Parker, you take the night off. And uh, Manu Ginobili, you take the night off. And Tim Duncan, you take the week off. No, they can't. They're fighting for every single final, last uh, point in the standings to get into the playoffs. Nobody's sitting Sidney Crosby in the final five games. Moreover, if Sidney Crosby's healthy, you're not telling him to sit anyway. Because Sidney Crosby loves hockey and wants to play. That being said, I wonder if it's catching up to him this season. I do. He keeps himself in great physical condition. He does, no doubt. I'm not questioning his, his conditioning or his health necessarily. I just wonder, look, when you're 35, it's not as easy to find the giddy up, I don't care who you are, as when you were 25. And that's what we're looking at with Sidney Crosby. Hell, even go back just six years, six years ago, their last Stanley Cup run, Sidney Crosby was only 29. He wasn't even 30 yet. If you're of that age, I'm going to ask you right now, if you are 35 or older, ask yourself how you feel now as compared to how you felt six years ago. I understand you're not a world-class athlete, most likely. But just think about the difference for you. Now, the difference may not be as great for a Sidney Crosby, sure, because he keeps himself in amazing shape. But it still happens. Age catches up with everyone. And even if you're still a point-per-game guy, Sidney Crosby, playing every single game of a regular season at 35 is a whole heck of a lot different than playing every game of a regular season at 27, 28, even 29 years old. So that being said, I'm hopeful it's just him gearing up for the stretch run. I'm hopeful just two goals in the last 12 games. We'll see, uh, in well, the final five games of the regular season. And real quick, before I get to some hashtag math, uh, talking about the final five games of this season and how I think it'll play out and how I think the penguins get into the playoffs. Let's talk about Chris Letang for just a second. You know, I've had my ups and downs as a fan with Christopher Letang. Um, but one thing I can say is this: I think he is easily the most underappreciated star in Pittsburgh Penguin's history. He has suffered, if you want to call it that the unfortunate timing, again, if you want to call it that, of playing his entire career in the shadow of Sidney Crosby, drafted the same year, sidney Crosby um again, you could call that unfortunate if you want uh it's helped you know, he's helped be a part of, and Sidney Crosby being with him the entire step of the way has helped him be a part of three Stanley Cup runs and countless huge moments. Yet, all that being said, you still find people who at this stage of the game still want to run Chris Letang out of town. Still. Oh, I can't believe it. He so doesn't know it. Oh, he a- Every single time Chris Latang makes a mistake, people will light up social media. And look, we can... I'm not here to say you can't criticize a guy's mistakes, but every single time people light up social media when Chris Latang makes a mistake. And yet you don't get the same praise from those people when he does something spectacular. Like the couple of game-winning overtime goals he's got earlier this year. Um, Chris Latang. Will go down. If Chris Letang had, been, had not played on the same team as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, would he have won three Stanley Cups? No. But I do think he would be appreciated as the most talented defenseman in the history of this franchise. And this is a franchise that employed Paul Coffey for a while. Larry Murphy for a little bit. And Sergey Gonchar for a long while. As it stands, he is the most talented defenseman in this organization's history. And there's a very real conversation about his number going up in the rafters next to 66. Someday soon, hopefully 68 and eventually 87 and 71. Because without him, did they win all three of these Stanley Cups? I don't think so. Maybe the first one. That was more gone-charge-driven on the blue line, no doubt. But the second two? to 16-17? I don't know. As I just wanted to kind of, as he was honored for his 1,000th game against the Flyers on Sunday, I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way. Because I've gone back and forth with my fandom of Chris Letang over the years as well. And some nights he drives me nuts, and I just want him to be a steady, stay-at-home defenseman. And then he does something ridiculous. And I go, <laughs> Chris, you're such a dummy. Um, he is the most underappreciated, I'll refine this here, not just most underappreciated defenseman in franchise history, most underappreciated player in franchise history. That being said, would be nice to see him get a shot at redemption for the last couple of seasons in the playoffs this year. Uh, Let's figure out the math of how the Penguins get there, of how they get into the playoffs and just how painfully close they may come to not getting into the playoffs. We'll do that coming up next right here on 5th Avenue Faceoff. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguins. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome back in. It is Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Chris Mack with you from the Fan Morning Show and Sports Radio 93.7, the fan of Pittsburgh. We're down to the final five games. Hashtag math. I know, five. They've played 77, 82 total. Carry the three. Cosine of the tangent is the coefficient. Yeah, five. Five games left. Hashtag math. Um, And so... I also looked at the five games the Florida Panthers have left and the four games the New York Islanders have left. And let me rattle these off to you real quick, and then we'll kind of go through step by step because I've done the hashtag math on this. And I think the only way this ends for the Penguins, if it ends well, is probably like, I'm going to say 9.45 the night of Thursday, April 13th, I think. Let me explain. Again, hashtag math. Uh, Here we go. So the Pens have a trip to Jersey Tuesday night. They face the Devils out in Newark. Then they come home. They face the Minnesota Wild, who are still battling for position. Let's not lose sight of that out west, uh, trying to hold off the Avalanche and the Stars for the Central Division title. Then they go to Detroit. On Saturday, the Penguins do an afternoon start. Originally, it was supposed to be 8 p.m. ABC and ESPN have changed that to a 1 p.m. start. Don't be fooled. It's an afternoon game Saturday at Detroit. Tuesday, they come home, face the Blackhawks, and then Thursday, they're at Columbus. Those are the Penguins' final five games. At Jersey, home Minnesota, at Detroit, home Chicago, at Columbus. Okay, you follow me? I think there's six points in there. I'll give them six points out of those five games. You may think that's optimistic. I think that's, uh, whether they beat the teams they're supposed to beat or lose to the teams they're supposed to lose to, like lose to Jersey and Minnesota and beat Detroit, Chicago, Columbus, or not, that's what I see, six points, which would get them to 92, okay? Keep that number in mind. They're at 86. If they win three out of their final five, 92. You've got the Islanders, a point in front of them for the first wild card, but Pens have a game in hand. Islanders only have four games left. They are off until Thursday when they host the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, let's be honest, haven't had much to play for. I mean, just positioning, really, between them and Toronto since Christmas, it feels like, uh, because of the stupid playoff setup and the way it works. So the Islanders host the Lightning on Thursday. They host the Flyers on Saturday. Uh, Monday, they're at Washington against the Capitals. And next Wednesday, they are at home against Montreal. They should also, to be quite honest, based on that schedule, pick up six more points. Uh, so that would put them at 93, from 87 to 93 in their final four games. Now, keep in mind, the Islanders uh, have lost two in a row. Uh, they've lost, they've got five and five, basically, five, four, and one in their last 10. Something to keep in mind. Okay, Florida now, uh, chasing down the Penguins, Just a point behind them in the standings. Same number of games left. Five. Again, hashtag math. So Florida's got five games left. And similarly, they've got three games against non-playoff teams. Here's the difference for Florida. Their three games against non-playoff teams are coming up this week. The Penguins, of course, have two games against playoff teams, the Devils and the Wild, before they wrap up the schedule against non-playoff teams, Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus. Again, keep that in mind, okay? Florida hosting Buffalo. Tuesday night, hosting Ottawa Thursday night, visiting Washington on Saturday, and then Monday, they host Toronto, the Panthers do, and a couple of days off before they wrap up the season, next Thursday, again, next Thursday is the, i uh, bad at math, 13th, I believe it is, is that, is that, is that right, yeah, no, 12th, whatever it is, it's next Thursday. Jeez, oh man, Chris, this is supposed to be hashtag math, and you don't even know the date. Uh, Next Thursday is the 13th. Anyway, 85 points now. I see Florida, coincidentally enough, getting six points in this final two weeks of the season, much like the Pens and the Isles. That would take them from 85 to 91. That would leave them a point behind the Penguins, two points behind the Islanders. We would finish the season with the Islanders as the first wild card with 93 points and the Penguins as the second wild card with 92 points. And based on these projections, the Panthers just out of it with 91 points. But again, remember how I told you the timeline of events that we're talking about here. We're talking about the Penguins having to play the devil's on the road, and then come home to play a a wild team that is still fighting and scratching and clawing for every point in the standings. I'm going to be honest. I think by Thursday night at about 10.30 p.m., people are going to be ready to storm the castle. They are. They're going to have pitchforks and torches, and they're going to be marching on PPG Paints Arena, angry and mad at everyone because I fear and suspect the Pens are going to lose both of these games to Jersey and Minnesota. We will have no more questions, or excuse me, we'll have plenty more questions, no more answers about what's going on in goal, or whether the third and fourth line can carry play, or whether POJ can play good, old-fashioned, responsible-style playoff hockey, or any of the other things, whether Mike Sullivan will be willing to make lineup changes. None of those things will be answered. We will have more questions, and people will be losing their minds, because here's the thing. At the same time the Pens lose to Jersey and Minnesota, the Panthers probably get a pair of wins. Against Buffalo and Ottawa. So it's entirely possible, hang with me now, that by the time you wake up on Friday morning, and again, the Islanders have the lightning in the meantime as well, that by the time you wake up on Friday morning, the Florida Panthers could be in the first wild card spot, the first wild card spot with 91 points, the Islanders two behind them with 89 and the penguins back there three points back of the panthers with 88 points but here's where the schedule once again flips around if everything goes chalk and the penguins get to rattle off three wins in their final three games against detroit chicago and columbus and florida loses to toronto and loses to carolina the islanders pick up a few points on the back end as well with games against Philly, Washington, and Montreal. And that's how you end up back at where we are right now. Islanders first wild card, Penguins second wild card, Panthers out. Now, again, that's all chalk. And it's very uncomfortable for us as Penguin fans because all it takes is one more point for the Florida Panthers. Maybe an overtime or shootout loss. Or one less point for the Penguins. And it all falls to bits. All falls to bits. And they're out of the playoffs for the first time since, well, since you were in diapers, most likely. Or maybe in elementary school, at the very least, right? Whatever. We were all a whole hell of a lot younger. I wasn't even married yet. Married kids? Get out of here. Sidney Crosby. Oh, that young guy. No, first time in 17, oh, for 17 years. Uh, I do think they're going to get in. I just laid out the hashtag math for you, but I do think we're going to sweat it. I think we're going to sweat it right down until the final game against Columbus uh, and also with the Panthers playing the Hurricanes on the final night. But that's how I see things going. Be sure to subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff wherever you get it, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play, whether it's iTunes. Be sure to leave a rating and a review if you want to be really nice there on iTunes and say, hey, Chris, We love the pod. Appreciate you doing it. And we'll continue to do it down the stretch run. Your Odyssey app, probably the best way to get it. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Just click follow up there in the upper right-hand corner of your Odyssey app. And you'll get new episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff dropped right in there for you. You listen whenever you like. Maybe when you're headed down to the game one night. If it's a home game, headed home from work. Maybe on your way into work. I prefer you listen to the Fan Morning Show then and save this for after that. But here nor there. Listen when you have time to listen. We appreciate you doing so right here on 5th Avenue Face Off.